Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. So this morning we're continuing our series on Proverbs. And uh, in this series we've been looking at the book of Proverbs, which is a book of collected wisdom of the people of God through hundreds of years passing down stories. And over the last thousands and thousands of years, people have been looking at these these uh, stories of wisdom or these uh, giving of wisdom, not as laws, not as um, here's what you need to do and promises, and if you don't do them, this, everything's going to go terrible for you, but wisdom of how do I live the good life? How do I live life to the full? How do I live into the Jesus way? And so this morning, we're looking at another one of these uh, themes from Proverbs. As we've been going through, we've talked about things like relationships and justice. And today we're going to talk about forgiveness. And so there might be things from even the last couple of weeks that come back um, to the ground because, or come back up to the surface, because as we talk about these things, you'll see that things keep bubbling up. Now, here's a deal with forgiveness. Who here has ever been told that forgiveness is a bad thing and it's bad for yourself if you ever do that? None of us, Right? Whether you talk to your psychologist, whether you read the scriptures, whether you talk to a trusted friend or Dr. Phil, whoever you talk to, that's one from the past, holy cow, I just aged myself really deep there. Um, Whoever you talk to will tell you forgiveness is a good idea. And yet, who here finds forgiveness easy? Exactly, Kevin Nickerack, he's got the secret. So Kevin's gonna come up here, he's gonna. (laughs) Right, it's hard, it's difficult to forgive. Even though we know it's the best way forward, we often ignore it, whether that's by intentionally holding a grudge, pretending that it didn't hurt us, wanting to stay offended, seeking revenge and making them pay in some way, or something else that I'm not thinking of at the moment, but you can tell on the inside for yourself. Now, just to be clear, this is what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't forced continuance of relationship. If it's not a safe relationship to be a part of, it doesn't mean that you need to be completely in relationship with that person, have them in your story always. It's not about pretending that what happened didn't hurt you. It's not an attempt to appease somebody. It's not letting others take advantage of you or saying what they did was okay. Instead, forgiveness is the act of naming and acknowledging the pain, hurt, betrayal, or offense that someone has inflicted on you and choosing to release them from that wrong. It's resisting vengeance and instead letting them be free. And his benefits are so much more than just for the other person. They're so much for ourselves too. Forgiveness is this tangible act of the way of Jesus of peacemaking. As Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be children of God. Forgiveness is one of the central ways that we practice the Jesus way. Central to apprenticing with Jesus is living a life of forgiveness. It's the means by which we can be with Jesus. It's a way that we become like Jesus, and it's always something Jesus does. If ever you want to see someone who is a good forgiver, look at Jesus. Remember him sitting on the cross, sitting, hanging from the cross and saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. This is the way that we choose to walk in. And so when we think of the kind of people that we want to become and the kind of community that we want to become, not much more is important and influential in our lives than becoming people of forgiveness. The way that we respond to hurts, injuries, comments, barbed statements, 
The way we respond to these things shapes who we become. And so the question of forgiveness that we're going to talk about this morning is, what do you want to grow in your life? The way that we choose to respond shapes who we become. And if the goal is to become like Jesus, then we need to choose forgiveness always. And so let's pray because this is going to be hard work, stepping into a life of forgiveness. And I know some of you forgive really well and you can teach us a crash course on that. But for others of us, it's a difficult way. And so let's pray. Jesus, again, we just declare we're dependent on you. We, we need you. Uh, you are the only one who can show us the way to life because, as Peter confessed in John, only you have the words of everlasting life. And so we want to hear your words. We want to be invited more and more on your way. And so would you help us to have our eyes set on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Would you show us what we need to cast off, what we need to let go of, so that we can walk closer and, and deeper with you. And so we pray that you just continue to speak to us. Amen. So let's look at the Proverbs. Uh, we're going to start with one that's been quite familiar throughout the series, Proverbs 17.9. It says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. That's Proverbs 17.9. The question of what are you fostering is an important one. It's the question of what are you going to seek after? What are you going to make a big part of your life? Where are you going? What direction is your life heading? What do you want to have happen? Like, let's say, let's look at my son Micah. He's gotten really into hockey over the last uh, few months. Luckily, he picked a better team than the Flames and the Oilers. He's a Penguins fan, which is helpful for him. But he spent all summer stick handling. This is all he did. He sat in our crescent with his rollerblades on and just sat there with his stick, stick handling over and over again because he wanted to foster becoming a better stick handler. And then he started his ball hockey season this fall, and it's, you can tell immediately this kid put the hours in because he wanted to foster becoming a better hockey player. In the same way, whatever we foster is what we become. And I don't, I don't think, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't think anybody sets out to become a bitter and angry person. I don't think anybody sets out and says, I really want to become that bitter old man. That's what I want to be. Nobody says, I want to walk in shame. I want to be a person who's so overwhelmed by shame that I can't be around others. I don't think anybody says, I want to have a really hard heart. I don't want to love well. I don't think anybody really sets out and says, I want to be less patient. I don't want to be less kind. No one sits down and makes their five-year plan and goes, how do I be the darkest timeline of myself? In the same way, I don't think we look at our close friendships and think, I hope in five years we don't talk to each other. I hope in five years we're not on speaking terms at all. And when they hear my name, I hope a surge of anger goes through their body. Or we don't look at our friends or our siblings or our parents and go, I sure hope that we don't get closer over the years. I hope that family dinners are even more tense than they are today. I hope that whatever's been unspoken or covered up stays unspoken and covered up so it's more and more awkward as time progresses. 
or in our marriages. I don't think anybody sits there and goes on their wedding day and says, I hope we fight all the time. I hope my heart gets so hard towards that person. Can you imagine those vows? Wow, that'd be awkward. I don't think anybody says, I hope that even though we're in the same room, that we start to feel more and more distant as the years go on. And I hope we get to the point where we're just staying together for the kids. I don't think anybody sits on their wedding day and hopes those things. Now, to be clear, in situations of abuse, infidelity, etc., that there are times where things need to end. But we often just jump to those places. What I'm talking about today are the ways that we get there slowly, through patterns of ignoring, of unforgiving, and avoiding conflict. And so we end up choosing bitterness and anger, and we settle for them. It's like the old adage says, choosing to not forgive or choosing bitterness and resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. We foster a lot of dark things in our lives. And the invitation, though, from the Proverbs today is to foster love instead. So let's begin with saying that forgiveness fosters love by covering it over. Remember, the proverb says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Love makes the choice to say, I forgive you for what you've done, of letting it go, of taking the pain on ourselves and choosing not to punish them for it. That's the way of wisdom. To let them know how they hurt you. To name that pain, but then to reconcile. That's the way of forgiveness. That's the way of wisdom. But of course, there's another way. There's the way of foolishness or wickedness. And this way chooses to not cover it over. Often though, or not to cover it up, but to cover it over, to pretend. Sorry, not to cover it over, but to cover it up. There we go. Words are tricky sometimes. It's to say, oh, it's okay. I'll forgive you, but you don't even really mean it in that moment. But then later when those feelings come up, and either you're reminding yourself of it over and over again about what they've done, or you go to somebody else and say, can you believe they said that? Can you believe they did this? We walk those ways far too often, don't we? Where instead of choosing to forgive, we give a half-hearted, yeah, of course I forgive you. But then in turn, we then start spreading division more and more. And instead of fostering love, what we end up doing is fostering brokenness. Fostering space between us between the person that hurt us, but also the person that hurt us and that other person we tell the story to. And so choosing to forgive is a choice for relationship, where choosing unforgiveness is a choice for division. And so we want to be people who foster love. And so how does forgiveness foster love? Well, first of all, forgiveness fosters love by embracing patience. Now, it's no secret, unlike my son, I like the Calgary Flames, which, of course, is to my shame this season as with most. Um, I go on Flames message boards on the internet because apparently I still live in like 1998 and that's what I like to do. And I was on the Flames message board a few weeks ago and they were talking about how bad the Flames are, which is what we do. And someone referred to the Flames and the mess that they're in as a gong show. Which the next post was, what the heck is a gong show? Is this racist slang? And immediately this person jumped to the, the, the internet's opinion of anything must be offensive and probably racist, because that's what the internet does. 
Now, this person was given a rundown of 70s television, the usage of the term to describe something that's a mess and ridiculous, much like the flames. But the point stands. We automatically, as a culture, jump right to the point of offense. I don't understand this, and instead of trying to get clarity, I'm going to be offended. Proverbs 19.11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It's one's glory to overlook an offense. Forgiveness seeks to understand through patience. Offense is in a hurry, and it has no time for understanding. And we have a cultural value of offense. We delight in being offended. And what does this do to us? What does our rush to be offended do to our hearts? Not just on the internet or with the news cycle or whatever the celebrities are doing these days or the influencers, but also in our workplaces and our families. We begin with, I can't believe they said that. And without trying to understand what they said, it's, you know, it's like when my kids half hear something their siblings said and assume that it was about them and they're talking about something else and jumping on it. We jump on things all the time. And I don't think it does anything good to us. But when we overlook offense, when we stop and seek patience and try to understand, it's like what Derek Kidner calls when it gets translated to our glory. He says, the glory of patience is the glowing colors of virtue. Patience brings about the beauty of life transformation, of virtues being grown in us, of becoming more and more like Jesus. Patience for being slow to anger is one of the primary ways that God reveals himself. In the book of Exodus, Moses is up on the mountain and God reveals himself and describes himself for the first time. God says that he's slow to anger. He has a long fuse, which is the opposite of being easily offended. And then, of course, patience is the descriptor of Jesus, whether it's in his incarnation, constantly stopping to help people understand or to be interrupted so we can heal someone. But it's also the patience that he walks with us today. Because Jesus is always carrying himself towards us with patience, and I think we know that. It's like the proverb says, A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. It's Proverbs 18, 19. What happens when we choose to be offended? When we hurt someone, walls come up, right? We know this in our lives, that when there's unspoken bitterness between us and someone else, there's a wall between us. Impatience and being in a hurry goes, we got to tear that wall down. Let's fix this right now. Let's do this. What ends up happening, though, if you're trying to fix something and somebody else doesn't want it fixed yet? That wall gets higher and higher and higher. Forgiveness requires patience. Instead, to slow things down and say, I'm really sorry, can we talk this through? If you're not ready, okay, we can keep waiting. But we need to embrace forgiveness. In the same way, God doesn't come at us and just try and tear down our walls. He never forces us to change. He doesn't force us into confession and forgiveness. Instead, he invites us into a better way. He doesn't change our hearts without our hearts wanting, us wanting to have our hearts changed. Only the devil tries to change a heart that doesn't want to change. God instead invites us into a change of life. And so we want to come in tune with that. And so forgiveness fosters love by embracing patience. 
Forgiveness also fosters love by stopping conflict instead of feeding it. Think about our cultural stories, best exemplified probably in Marvel movies or Star Wars these days. There's an offense that happens, and so we respond to that offense with an even greater offense back. They attack us, we're going to attack them worse, who then attacks worse and attacks worse, and it goes on and on. It's what theologians call the myth of redemptive violence. That if you get me, I can be more violent and stop you in your tracks, which instead just ends with going back and forth over and over again. Proverbs 17, 14 says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so stop the matter before a dispute breaks out. I don't know about you, but I can relate to this. There's those moments where something says something to frustrate or annoy me. Or maybe they don't even do that thing, but it has that result inside of me anyways. We can know how things are going to go if we respond in the way we want to. We can see how it's going to go if we respond with frustration and annoyance. And then we have a choice in that moment. We can say that thing, and what ends up happening before we realize is it gets completely out of hand. Right? You, you get that comment said to you, you respond with another comment, and things just get way and way out of blown, out of control. Well, the wisdom of forgiveness is the choice to make another choice to not go to those places. It's a choice to not say that thing that you know would cut that other person so deep. It's a choice to not bring up that thing that they've done in the past, and instead the choice to be a peacemaker. Instead of being someone who allows the dam to break, you're the person who helps it stay under control. It's the choice to embrace the wisdom of Proverbs, which says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When we respond to harsh words with more harsh words, it only makes things worse. When we choose gentleness, it can change the course of direction in the conversation. And not only in doing that, it can, we instead continue by doing good for people. In Proverbs 25, we read this, if your enemy's hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Now this probably sounds like do good on them and then throw fire on their heads. Um, which isn't the way. Instead, it's talking about when you have an enemy, and for lots of you, you're going, but I don't have enemies. Or you're saying, oh, the person I'm having struggling with forgiveness is actually a family member or a friend. They're not my enemy. Well, the problem with bitterness and anger is it dehumanizes the other person and turns them into the problem. It turns them into an enemy. And so whether it's an actual enemy or whether it's someone who's feeling like one today. The way of wisdom says, I'm going to do good for this person. If they have a need, I'm going to fill it. If they're thirsty, I'm going to give them water. If they're hungry, I'm going to give them food. Instead of doing evil for them, I'm going to do good for them. In the process, they get shame on their heads, embarrassment on their heads, not because you're throwing it on them, but they're going, wait a second, why didn't I respond in that way? Why am I this kind of person? And it says the Lord will even bless you. He will reward you, which I take to be what Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, because they'll be called children of God. You're following in line with the heart of God. Forgiveness fosters love by ending conflict instead of feeding it. And then forgiveness fosters love by softening the soil of our hearts. 
In the same way that no one hopes to say, I hope, division in my hope to have division in my closest relationships with others, I don't think anybody goes, I hope to have distance in my relationship with Jesus. I hope that there's brokenness there. I hope there's hardness. I hope that my faith is really apathetic. I hope that when I think about praying, instead I'm just filled with shame. But this is what unforgiveness breeds in our heart. In Proverbs 14.10, we read, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. What happens when we choose unforgiveness is it leads to the hardening of the soil of our hearts. If we like to think, I like to think of our hearts as gardens. Um, not because I'm a good gardener. I'm not. But it's an image that the scriptures keep coming back to. In the New Testament, we read about how the Spirit grows his fruit in us. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if he's growing that, he's growing it in our heart like the center of our will and emotion. Now, we often think about how do we become more like that? How do we make ourselves more peaceful, more patient? But the stuff he does, he brings, if you think about a tree, a tree can only grow fruit with water and sunshine, right? And good soil. We, in an ancient society, could never bring rain. We could never bring the sun. What we could do is care for our soil, though. This is the biggest piece of the, our hearts, is what we do with the soil of our hearts. When we choose unforgiveness and bitterness, it's like taking rocks and throwing it into the soil. It's letting the soil sit hard and cracked on the top. Which, if you've ever tried planting seeds on hard and cracked soil before, what happens? Do they grow? Not only the weeds seem to, right? And if you put seeds on top of hard and cracked soil, what happens when rain comes? It washes it away. When we choose a life of bitterness and unforgiveness, we're choosing to harden our hearts towards God. And so the invitation of forgiveness is an invitation to start tilling the soil of your heart. To start turning that hard part, to break it up, to put manure in it that feeds it, and, and do all sorts of things to your soil so that the Spirit can do His work in you. And so how do we do that? Well, we soften the soil through forgiveness, through spiritual disciplines of prayer, scripture reading, and through confession. The good news is Jesus isn't demanding that we do these things and then leaving us alone to do it. Instead, he's constantly with us, sending us his spirit to empower us. When we choose a life of forgiveness, we're working at softening our soil of our heart, both towards us and to others towards Jesus. And then next, forgiveness fosters love through the giving and receiving of mercy. Central to the character of God is also, he says that he's merciful. We read in Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. To, forget, to not forgive is deprive ourselves and others of mercy. Without confession, without bringing things to light, we get trapped in the cycle of shame. Shame tells us that God would never forgive us. 
that others could never forgive us. We've gone too far that if only they knew, they would, ne- they would reject us. Shame keeps us from others. Shame also keeps us from God. Tells us, tells us that he would never have mercy on that. That's too far. You've, you've confessed that thing one too many times. He'll never listen to you anymore. And so what shame does is it causes us to hide from God, to keep ourselves from him. But when we confess our sins, we break the power of shame over us because shame actually only has power when we give it power. And so we hear the voice of shame in our lives saying, how could you? You're terrible, whatever. Which is different from conviction. Conviction is, you did something wrong. Shame tells you, not only did you do something wrong, you are wrong and you're terrible and you're garbage and all those sorts of things. We can often foster the voice of shame in our lives, can't we? We rehearse those things we did wrong. We rehearse those times that we've lied or cheated or sealed, whatever it is. We think about our relationship with God, about all the things it's not instead of what it is and what he's up to. And then shame gets more and more power over us. And the solution to shame, friends, is mercy. And Jesus always has mercy for you. His forgiveness never runs out. His love never runs out. Whatever you're telling yourself, whatever shame comes and says, oh no, that's too far. Trust me, God's forgiven it. He's already nailed it to the cross. He already died for that. He's already heard everything you'd have to say probably anyways. And he still loves you. Forgiveness is the choice to live into the love of God. To live into his mercy. And so quickly, how do we forgive? Which is a very difficult question. First things first uh, to know about forgiveness. um, Don't forget the Spirit helps you. He's always with you. He will empower you. The next thing with forgiveness is do it quick, if you can. The longer you wait, the harder it gets, right? Jesus says this in Matthew 6. Therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar and there remember that one of your brothers or sisters has something against you, leave your gift there in the altar. Go first and be reconciled, then come back and offer your gift. Do this quick. It's that simple. And I say it's simple, it's really hard. But sometimes forgiveness is really easy. You know, it's not a big deal. Somebody says some small thing. But more often than not, forgiveness is like an onion. You think you've dealt with it, and then something comes up. You're like, oh, I'm right back there. Maybe it's that wound (laughs) gets renamed. Maybe it's the grief where you go, my life isn't the same because of what happened. Maybe it's some pain, some loss you haven't realized. And so where you thought you'd forgiven fully, you, you discovered there was another layer to the onion. That's okay. It's all right that forgiveness comes in stages. When it comes up, it's probably not a case of talking to the person if you've forgiven them already, but instead it's a prayer of release, of naming it to Jesus, saying, hey, Jesus, I just realized this. This hurts. I forgive them for it. Would you help me release these feelings? Other times, forgiveness is impossible. 
because that person has died or you can't get to know them or you can't speak to them anymore. The helpful thing is that Jesus is the God of the living, right? And sometimes those family members or people you haven't forgiven are with Jesus already, so you can have those unresolved conversations with him. And he can do that for you. And other times, just let Jesus deal with it and say, Jesus, I forgive them. I can't tell them that. It's okay. And it's all right. So how do we forgive? First of all, we tell the story of what happened. We actually have to speak the truth of the hurt. Say, hey, you know, like, so when your, your kid comes down after, like, exploding and saying terrible things, and say, oh, I'm sorry, without actually saying what happened. We actually have to say what happened. We have to name the hurt. Hey, when you did this, this actually made me feel this way. And then we release the other person through forgiveness. In Luke 6, Jesus says this, But to those who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Here's a good step for how to forgive somebody. You do good for them if you can. So if it's someone who's in your regular life and you're mad at them, do some good things for them. Then we bless them, which is instead of returning evil for evil, we return it with goodness. And we pray for them, and not prayers of revenge, which we sometimes want to do, but instead prayers of blessing. Jesus, would they know your love for them today? Jesus, would you bless them with your presence? Would you bless them with your joy? Would they know your kindness? Remember, unforgiveness and bitterness dehumanizes somebody in our eyes. It's really hard to keep dehumanizing somebody you're doing good for. It's really hard to keep dehumanizing somebody that you're blessing. And it's really hard to dehumanize someone you're praying for. It's really quite a brilliant strategy that Jesus offers us. If you've got an enemy, this is how you keep, or you stop keeping them as an enemy. This is how you turn an enemy into a friend. Whether they choose friendship or not, that's not your problem. It's how to stop them being an enemy in your own eyes. When we foster love through forgiveness, we become the kind of people who come in line with the heart of God. We choose to take on his characteristics and we choose to walk in, our, in his way. But there's always the other ways, isn't there? Wickedness says, not only will I not forgive, but instead I'll fight and I'll try and one-up them. Foolish sa- foolishness says, I will not forgive or I'll pretend it didn't happen. And wisdom says, I will choose to forgive and through it foster love. And so the question is, what is my life fostering? What am I choosing to foster through the way I'm living? Sit with Jesus with that question. Jesus, if I keep going in the direction that I'm going, what what am I going to become? Where is my heart going to go? Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.